Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. On today's episode, we welcome Mauricia Baca, Executive Director for the Outside Las Vegas Foundation. Mauricia grew up in New York City, where Central Park served as her outdoor escape. After working for the Peace Corps, the Department of Justice as an environmental litigator, and the Nature Conservancy, she ultimately landed in Las Vegas, where she serves the local community. Mauricia's story is like one big adventure. Enjoy. Mauricia Baca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Cree. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to see you. And I'm very happy to see you. You are the executive director for the Outside Las Vegas Foundation. Yes, I am. And how long have you held that role? I've been with them now since January 2010, so almost eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. And how many uh, members are in your organization? Well, we're not a membership-based organization. um, But what's exciting for me is that when I started with the organization, I was by myself. So I was the sole staff member. Uh, Our staff meetings were really quick. Very efficient. Right. Um, But we actually have now grown to 12 staff members. Oh, wow. And that's an incredible thing to support our education, our volunteer programs. And so I have an actual group of staff members at a staff meeting. And, of course, we have board members. So we have 16 board members, and it's just fantastic. What motivated you to start this organization? I actually didn't start the organization. Um, I was recruited by the original executive director. Okay. the chair of the organization, who was actually the chair of the nonprofit that I was working with at the time, which was the Nature Conservancy. So Alan O'Neill, our former executive director, decided to move on, and they thought that I would be a good fit for the organization. And I was really excited by the fact that it was a small community-based nonprofit, and I thought there was a lot of potential there. And so I came on board, and it's been amazing working with it and seeing it grow. Well, tell us about the organization as a whole. What do you do? How are you serving the community? Um, you know, anything you want to share. So the overall big picture is connecting the community to outdoor experiences. And we do that through education programs, so c- directly connecting youth. Uh, we have outdoor field trips, and um, we have micro-grant programs where we f- take larger grants and disperse those out into the community so that we can make the money go further. Um, last year we had over 100 field trips that were supported, which is really exciting for us. We've had over 13,000 kids since we started the program in 2012. Oh, wow. And then we have volunteerism. So we directly connect people to the outdoors through hands-on volunteer projects. And that also started in 2012. And last year we had 77 volunteer projects, which is amazing because I have a staff of three There's four people for the education program last year, three people for the volunteer program, uh, 77 projects that they led last year, and um, about 5,500 volunteer hours that they generated, which is amazing. That is incredible. I'm bowled over by them. And then we also continue to do other work, which was we were founded with this idea of helping to 
link jurisdictions, uh, to link the areas that really encircle the Las Vegas Valley. And we continue to do that. We work with something called the Regional Open Space and Trails Work Group. We lead Get Outdoors Nevada Day, which is a community celebration of the outdoors and meant to introduce people to what we have. When I started with the organization, the common theme that I experienced was I would say, yeah, we have work in open space and trails and people would go, we have those. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that people are aware of all the amazing opportunities we have because it's one of the really great stories that we have here in Southern Nevada and Nevada in general is our outdoors. Yeah. So is it a challenge to um, educate the community here about what's available? You know, it's evolving. When I first started with the organization eight years ago, I'd say the majority of people that I spoke with had absolutely no idea that we have all these amazing um, open space and trails resources and all these parks in it. But more and more, as I speak with people now, I think people are starting to understand that uh, as our community really gels. I think people are looking at what makes this a community. And I think for myself and for a lot of people, that outdoor experience, walking on the trails with your kids, with your family, with your friends, that's what really connects you to the place that you're part of. And Nevada has so much of that. And we have so much of that. We have over a thousand miles of trails just in Southern Nevada. So it's been really wonderful to watch that evolution. And I can... I've been able to meet the kids and see the teachers who I worked with, you know, like seven years ago, eight years ago, who had no idea that we have those things and watch their own personal evolutions as they've connected more into these places. And that's been great. Yeah. Describe what that evolution is like. So somebody who um, I imagine may never have gone hiking or, or walking or taken advantage of the outdoors. What's that like for Las Vegas? Well, one of my favorite people in the world is Billy Rayford, and she is the was the principal for the Rainbow Dreams Academy. And also just an amazing person, for, former assistant superintendent. But when I met her as the principal, uh, her kids didn't have field trip opportunities. And she just, she felt sad about the fact that they would kind of circle around their, um, ar- around their playground and kind of like look for twigs. But that was basically what they had. So we worked together to start actually my field trip program for the Outside Las Vegas Foundation, the microgram program. And she had actually not been a really outdoorsy person. So as we planned the field trips for the kids, she and her husband would go to those places. And so bit by bit, she started getting pulled into it. And the kids were pulling their parents into going outside. Now, fast forward, Billy Rayford actually worked with a program at Zion National Park to connect Rainbow Dreams and actually spent the summer at Zion National Park. And and it's amazing. Like Her entire perspective on the outdoors has changed and what it means for her kids in the community. And so Uh, that's just been incredible. And she's just one of many people that I've seen something similar like that happen with. Yeah. I like how you describe that, where it gives you a better sense of community and where you live and more belonging and how important that is. To me, that's one of the really hugely important parts. Um, I think at one point you and I were talking earlier about how do all these different parts of the organization work together? And I see it as a big kind of Venn diagram, if you will, like where the circles go on top of each other. You have education, touching volunteerism, touching our outreach projects. And at the middle of that Venn diagram is community. Because at the end of the day, to me, really feeling connected to each other and having this kind of unity of experience, it comes down to that outdoor experience. Because at the that's where we're all just together we're experiencing our community in kind of a fellowship. Yeah. Why is this important for you personally? Um, for me, I, it comes down to when I was a little kid, I guess, at the end of the day. I grew up in New York City, 
And I did not have a lot of money in New York City. My parents were actually kind of dirt broke most of the time. And I spent so much time in Central Park and also just walking through the city. I mean, like one of my favorite things to do was just go walking with my parents. But Central Park was my outdoor place. It's where, to me, it felt like this huge, wild location because I was a city kid. And um, to this day, though, I'm so happy that I had that because when everything's were stressful, it was so easy to just go to Central Park and you could breathe and you could play and connect with things in a completely different way. It was just a completely different experience. And to this day, whenever I'm stressed, I go outside. It's how I connect back with myself. And so that outdoor experience of Central Park actually wound up leading me in so many other different directions because I became so connected to the outdoors and the environment and I got very passionate about it. So I designed a major and I was lucky enough to get into college on a scholarship and focusing on environmental studies. And then I went, it took me on a path to being in the Peace Corps and to working with the Department of Justice as an environmental litigator and working with the Nature Conservancy. And so coming back here and working, being here in Las Vegas, I see the Outside Las Vegas Foundation and working with kids in the community as a way to pay it forward so that maybe there'll be some kids who have a similar circumstance to where I was who don't have that much. The outdoors will become something for them and maybe... 20 years from now, they'll be doing their own really amazing thing that I'll look at and be like, wow, I wish I could have done something that cool. Yeah. So you grew up in New York City. I did. And now you're in Las Vegas. What brought you to Las Vegas? Actually, working with the Nature Conservancy is what brought me to Las Vegas. I went from, I got to the, I guess, the, the Western part of the world, if you will, kind of by starting out with the Department of Justice in D.C., I had a significant other who went to Reno to do a microbiology PhD. And I was looking for positions on the West Coast. I wound up working with the Nature Conservancy as a project manager on their uh, Truckee River project. And then when they, they were looking for someone to lead their office in Southern Nevada, so I switched on down to Southern Nevada and have really become attached to it. Yeah. It's interesting to me because um, I grew up in Nevada, so I'm used to open spaces, you know, and, and we grew up where you would go to those open spaces. It was just our way of life. You know, you grew up so differently where you went to a park in the middle of a city. You know, how were you able to conceptualize a larger space that you could go explore? It was definitely a transition. Actually, my, my first experiences with, with that, with, with really going to larger spaces, was when I was in college and I my mom actually found a catalog for the Student Conservation Association. And so I applied to work as a biotechnician at Crater Lake National Park. I had never done anything like that. Like the biggest experiences I'd had at that point were my campus. I, I went to Vassar College, which had a beautiful campus in upstate New York. Um, so getting on a plane and going across the country to Crater Lake National Park was just huge for me. And it was just incredibly eye-opening. And I was really lucky to get that job and be able to spend the summer working there. Yeah. And then the next summer I worked as a high alpine on a high alpine meta restoration crew doing uh, mediation, uh, work, work with a uh, work in meadows that had had some damage to them. And I wound up doing that for a couple of summers. And that's part of, I actually kind of fell in love with the high desert and uh, some of the open spaces, like what we have here in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Now, 
traveling to Crater, you, you're talking about a job that you applied for and you, and you got, you had no idea what you're going to step into and you're a little nervous. How did you manage that? That's an interesting question. Um, I was excited about it. And like, as you said, a little bit nervous, you know, cause it's something com- completely different, uh, leaving everything behind. Um, uh, but I, I think I've always had a, a calm way of approaching new experiences. So I kind of balanced that excitement with a little bit of calm. And, um, it was really neat for me to see things that I, the idea of seeing things that I've been studying in textbooks and go do it in real life. It was a little nerve wracking because I'd never done anything like be a biotechnician on a lake. Yeah. And then you add in like at a national park and I was going to be living there and I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but it was just, it was an incredible experience. I met such great people and I challenged myself. And I think, uh, that's probably part of what set me on a path. Um, just, I, I've always liked to do things that would challenge me and that, that felt that kind of like, I guess, gave me a sense of internal inspiration. And so that was one of the, one of those things. And I've been, I was real. I've been, I've been incredibly fortunate in my life. I've had some really wonderful experiences. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can argue that that's risk, right? You can. And so taking those risks, not knowing what might happen on the other end, but you go for it and, and, um, you're a true testament to someone who took those risks and you have, um, an incredible story to tell as a result which is pretty neat. What was it like to be a litigator for the Department of Justice? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, an, that also was an incredible experience on a very different track from being a biotechnician. Oh, obviously. I'm sure. Um, that feeling of representing the U.S. government and the citizens of the United States is actually, it was a pretty heady kind of weighty responsibility um, walking into court and standing in front of a judge and announcing myself as Mauricia Baca for the United States government. Uh-huh. Um, it was an incredible experience and I, I had a pretty heavy ca- caseload. It was hard work. Um, it was challenging as well. Every time I handed in a brief or clicked send on a brief, also there was always that moment of terror where you just hope you actually did everything right in that brief and appearing in front of the judge. And the first time I did that, um, and the judge was actually very kind that first time, not all judges were that kind, but that first judge, I think could tell I was my first time. And, uh, it was, it was great. It was, it was such a wonderful experience. And I was, um, just so fortunate to have been hired. I was through honors program. So it was immediately out of law school. And that was actually my one and only legal position. Because okay. then I went to the Nature Conservancy. Oh, gotcha. So this is before the Nature Conservancy. And then, um, yeah, so you went to law school in New York? Yes. Okay. And then you, where were you a litigator? I, I lived in D.C. Okay. working with the Department of Justice. And so when you're with the Department of Justice, you take the bar for, essentially, you can take the bar in any part. So I took the New York State Bar, and then I practiced on behalf of the U.S. government living in D.C. Okay. Now, how does your law degree help in your current position? My law degree, I think, probably helps me every single day. It's just uh, the process of critical thinking and analysis, the ability to frame arguments and discussions, and the ability to read 
and read and read and read and digest it and turn it into something. Because I still work with contracts and agreements, mm -hmm. grants, and um, a lot of our different relationships. It, it's all it's always helpful. So being an attorney has always been helpful. And you also get comfortable with public speaking because you have to. Especially as a litigator, Especially right? Especially as a litigator. Yeah, talk about a great way to practice public speaking. It's a very good way to practice public speaking and a very good way to practice staying calm, especially when you have a judge who's very annoyed. Right. And you're representing a client they're very annoyed at. So, And how do you handle that calm? Um, I think I've always had a very calm sense about me, even when I was a child. Uh, people have always remarked on it. And um, I still maintain that. Although I think my calm veneer, often I'm, I could be really stressed out inside. A lot of people don't necessarily see how stressed out I am inside. But... I had a lot of other growing up when I was a child as well. My, 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 my mom had a really extended illness and we were really low income. And so you get a lot of challenges that get thrown at you. And I, I think, uh, while those challenges can be really difficult, they do make you stronger if you come out on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so those also help me to be calm, especially now. It's like it could always be worse. So I'm, I, I always feel lucky. I always feel like I'm, I'm lucky to have most of the problems that I have. Yeah. Based on your background. Yes. Yeah. Now, Outside Las Vegas Foundation, is that a nonprofit? It is. It's a nonprofit. And how are you funded? We're funded in a combination of ways. We have actually grants and agreements and contracts, both with the with federal partners, um, like the National Park Service, with the county and with cities. Um, we have support from corporate donors, and we have support from some individual donors. Okay. And then the uh, field trips that you spoke about, uh, do you partner with the um, Clark County School District, or how do you um, manage those outdoor activities? Um, we have a few different approaches to it. So what we do is we, we write grants, and we'll get, let's say, um, Envy Energy gave us a grant for $15,000. So to make that go further, we distribute that as micro-grants. Um, we do that by advertising the the grant application, which is a fairly straightforward, simple application through the Clark County District. They have something called the Interact system, and we also have it posted on our website. And so teachers can apply for that two hundred fifty dollar micro grant, and we do it that way because you know teachers looking for a way to fund field trips, it's a lot of work for them to write a grant for a really small amount of money when. It, so this way we can write a grant for a larger amount of money and make something a little bit more distilled that we can distribute in a more uh, straightforward way. Okay. Yeah. It's more accessible that way. It's much more accessible yeah, that way. That's super smart. Now, um, had you ever run a nonprofit before taking this position? I had not. No. Which is pretty uh, <laughs> typical based on what you've shared so far. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> right. So what was that like? Were you seven years ago? Is that, did I remember correctly? Yeah, seven years 2010, ago. 2010. You know, you're, you're hired to take on this position and it's grown. It's grown since you, you first started working there. So um, I realize it's seven years, but what does that journey look like? Well, I think I was lucky in some ways that I was by myself. So um, I was fortunate that I didn't jump in and as a brand new person have a really large staff I had to manage. I did have a, a fairly sizable board to work with. Um, quite frankly, I mean, I'd worked with the Nature Conservancy and I had led an office in Southern Nevada. Uh, but running a nonprofit was something completely different. I ordered 
boxes of books before I started and just read about what a nonprofit leader should do and different models. And so I kind of did this big download for myself of how to go about it. I looked, looked at executive director reports and tried to figure out what formats I liked for different things. Um, then starting with the organization, um, you know, there, there were some early challenges. We had some, some early challenges that had to be addressed and having, being able to work through those. So I think I've been really fortunate because the organization has grown at a nice pace. And so I've been able to grow with it. Um, in addition, something that I've always emphasized is because we're such a tiny organization, we can only accomplish things if we work with other people. So I started from the get-go with this idea of collaboration and partnership and we have always done that. Sometimes we've done been so collaborative and partner oriented that other people haven't even realized we've been part of some projects. So we've been trying to be better about being a little bit more out in front and saying, Hey, we are actually part of this. Yeah, we yeah. designed this or we did this. Um, but I've been fortunate. And I, my, my first, uh, staff member who doubled our staff to two was Ray Lathrop. And she came on board as associate director because couldn't think of what else to call her when it was just the two of us. Um, and so she was with me for a few years, and she's now moved on to a new position. Um, but one of the things I'm also really proud of is within the organization, a lot of our folks who have left us have remained friends with us, you know, whether they've been AmeriCorps or former staff members or former board members. And that's really wonderful to see that. Yeah. How did you find the courage just to, this goes back to, um, you know, that first job you took at Crater Lake and you just get on the airplane and, and you go there, you know, how do you find that, that courage? Is it about surrounding yourself with the right people or reading the right books? What, what tool did you use personally that, that really helped you out? I think it's a combination. Um, my parents were goofy and wacky and artsy but they were incredibly loving and supportive. And so a lot of what I did was very much affirmed by them. So I was really fortunate. And I had a great family network. I also have kind of always, I guess I was an only child. So I was very intentionally built networks of friends around myself. Um, but also as an only child, I take a lot of time for myself to think because I need that quiet time and that downtime. Um, but yeah, I, I've just, I've always enjoyed the idea of a challenge. Even when I was a little kid, I remember petitioning to save the whales and things like that. It's just the type of thing I've always liked doing. I, I like new things. I like challenging things. I don't like being bored. I don't like that feeling of like, okay, well, now what? Um, so I, I think, um, things that are, intellectually stimulating that are also physically challenging those kind of the combination. So I guess the outdoors is makes sense in a lot of ways for me because it combines all of that. Um, I've just, I've been, I've been really fortunate that I've had a combination. I also do read quite a bit. And I think whenever I, I find myself trying to puzzle my way out of something, I, I look for books that might provide some guidance, like becoming an executive director. Yeah, definitely. And when you're seeking partnerships, is there something that, um, is there a guide that you use or, or, uh, how do you know if somebody's going to be a good partner? Uh, you know, I have to say for the most part, I have been really lucky in that our partners have been good partners. It's not always, and part of it is you have to test it out. 
Uh, it's like any relationship, you know, any just whether it's a, a romantic relationship or a business relationship. Sometimes you think you're going to be a great fit and then you find out you're not. Um, so you, when you go into the partnership, you go in hoping that you've clearly established each other's needs and what you're looking to get out of that partnership and how you're going to move forward together. And sometimes you find that partnership where it clicks and it works really well and everybody is doing what they need to do and they're supportive of each other. And sometimes you don't. And I think the ones where it hasn't worked out, we've kind of you know, been able to shake hands and, and kind of part ways because it wasn't really the most ideal partnership. But for the most part, we've been really fortunate because I think the fact that We've, myself and everyone who's come to my organization really appreciates what partners bring to us. And so we exhibit that in, I think, a really honest way. And so a lot of our partners, I think, appreciate the fact that it's it's really genuine on our side. And we, it is really important to us that our partners are recognized for all the work that they do. Um, and to me, that's a critical thing. And I, when I look at a partner and I evaluate how things are going with a partner, I look for that same degree of mutual respect and appreciation. Okay. Are you the person within the organization that's doing most of that decision-making the, as far as partnerships go? I, 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 I'm probably, I, I'm the person who would be the person who makes the call on whether we're going to move forward in an official way, a mm-hmm. formal way with a partnership or whether we might need to dissolve a partnership. But i I've, I really value the fact that my, the people who work within the outside Las Vegas foundation are all really creative, intelligent people and they're out there in the community and I'm only one person. And so they're multiplying us as an organization throughout the community and they're forming new partnership opportunities and bringing them back. So when they find somebody who seems like a great partner and we explore that, then we wind up often entering into that. For instance, just recently, um, my education director got to know the executive director of leaders in training, and I, I hadn't worked with them before. And so for the past year, we've developed this incredible partnership with this organization. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had somebody else out in the community brought that back in. Right. So, you, so you've been able to build your team in a way that uh, you're trusting everyone to form those relationships as well. Yes. That's, that's great. Uh, what other services do you provide? Well, we have our, there's, of course, with the education program, we've talked about the micro-grant program, but we actually also have people who go into places to provide programs. So there's the Boys and Girls Club, for instance. We go into Boys and Girls Clubs. I think we're in six or seven Boys and Girls Clubs right now. It's, it was six one year, seven another year. And we provide programs within the club. And then we also take the young people out for field trip experiences. So we do kind of a full spectrum experience. We've also just recently started uh, programs with eight different schools where we're bringing science-based outdoor education to the eight different schools. So that's a different element from the field trip opportunities. And we also do things like provide uh, educational tabling experiences, if you will, at various events where we try to bring our information to an even larger community of people with the volunteer program that grew from working with the city of Las Vegas to now providing support across the area. So we work with North Las Vegas and Clark County, uh, city of Henderson. 
Um, and with those experiences, what we'll do is we'll take whatever size group, if it's five, 50, 500, and we match that group up with the place that they would be best with. We do something a little bit different in that we focus a lot on urban parks and trails. We look at that as kind of a gateway experience, and it's easier for a lot of people to get to, and it connects them to that local park that they may not have even known about. So that's one of the things that we do. And then I mentioned the Regional Open Space and Trails Work Group, and what that is is I actually, through Outside Las Vegas Foundation, facilitate a group of jurisdictions who come together and talk about the different planning needs and management needs of the parks and trails that we have here. Oh, great. So there's a lot. There is a lot. And that's my next question. You know, you're touching so many different areas of, of being outside. You know, how do you really focus your message, um, you know, for, for grant writing purposes or hiring purposes or whatever that is? How do you keep things in line that way? They all have to come through that same filter. I mentioned earlier that idea of the Venn diagram. So they all right. it all has to link together. If there's something that's kind of an outlier that's not building on that idea of of how education and volunteerism and outreach all come together to directly connect the community to outdoor experiences, um, to help them to discover and explore those experiences, then that's something that we're not the right fit for. Okay. Um, and we also, of course, we focus on Nevada-specific experiences. So if somebody is looking for field trip support to go to Colorado, we may not be the right fit for them because um, we really want to connect people to the Nevada experience. Okay. And how many partnerships do you have within the community? That's an excellent question. I haven't stopped like 10 or through. 50? Definitely more than 10. Okay. Um, and what, what we've done is we focus on – I've been really intentional in not just looking at, for instance, just the environmental community. So we do a lot of group, a lot of work with family services organizations, um, with a broad base, but we also work with our, our partners within the environmental community. And then we're lucky enough to work with the different cities and the county and the federal partners. So it turns into a fairly broad network of people. Um, you know, everything from the Boys and Girls Club, as I mentioned, and Big Brothers, Big Sisters. To we have a partnership with the Embracing Project, uh, Leaders in Training, uh, the Clark County School District, um, of course, the City of Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, City of Henderson, Clark County. Um, we do occasional work as well with the City of Boulder City. Happy to work with Mesquite and Pahrump. Um, We work with the Park Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Forest Service, Bureau of Reclamation. Um, we're, we house something called the River Mountains Loop Trail Partnership and also the Lower Colorado River Water Trail Alliance. And so it that multiplies our partnerships as well. Yeah. And how do you manage those partnerships? Uh, meaning, you know, you as, an, as an, a nonprofit, you can really define and um, manage your own processes and how you run things. And you have so many different partnerships. I'm interested in hearing how you're, you're really managing that within your organization. Some of it depends on exactly what that partnership was formed to accomplish. And so, you know, that depth of relationship that you're really looking for. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier that idea of setting out what we, what the expectations are as we go into that mutual experience and then evaluating it um, on a regular basis to make sure that both parties are still getting that mutual experience. And so whether it's something where we are, 
lock locked together and um, providing programs together, or whether it's something where we kind of come together on occasion to do things within the community. Um, we're, we're kind of calibrating it to make sure that there's the right level of expectations and experience on both sides. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, now for you, what is a typical day in the life of Mauricia Bacalic like? There is no typical day. <laughs> uh, it's actually not surprised to hear that, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, it's one thing I love about the job and the position is that every single day is different. Um, every single week is different. And every single year with the organization has been different. Um, it can be a little exhausting, but it's also what makes it wonderful. Yeah. And so you do you get up early? Do you have any uh, routines that you do every day or... My closest routine would probably be that I have now three dogs. It used to be two dogs, but recently added one to the family. Yeah. And so I'd say that's actually, it's part of what keeps me sane is I get up in the morning and I walk them for about an hour. And, and that is my way of connecting in the morning and having a deep breath. And I feel kind of discombobulated if I don't get that. Right. Um, so that's probably one of my more regular routines. But things change depending on whether there's, there's breakfast meetings or things into the evening or things on the weekend. And I have a husband and a stepdaughter. And so, you know, you balance, uh, all those different things together. Yeah. What's your favorite outdoor area in, in Southern Nevada? That is such a tough question to answer. And I know it, it sounds like a cop out, but I don't have an absolute favorite outdoor area because it kind of depends on like my mood, you know, it's like, what, what flavor are you interested in? Um, I love the kind of otherworldliness of Valley of Fire. I love Red Rock, but Valley of Fire sometimes feels kind of like this little hidden area because less people know about it than Red Rock Canyon. Um, and, but the Spring Mountains, it's like you get to go there and you, you experience trees and it's 110 degrees down here and it's 70 degrees up there uh, you could do the, you know hike up to the bristle cone uh, do the bristle cone hike and get this amazing cool literally cool experience um and then you could go rafting down in the black canyon so I, it, yeah it's hard i actually don't have one thing that is my absolute most favorite thing to do because it just kind of depends on the mood. And the thing is that's awesome about this area is that you can do that. Yeah. I think most people don't realize that about Southern Nevada specifically, you know, they think of the city of Las Vegas and the casinos and there really is so much to do here and it's very easily accessible. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think that's, the, that's exactly it. There are a lot of places where, um, Everything's like that that you want to do are so much harder to get to. And literally, like from the middle of town, you could be out in a beautiful natural experience, 30 to 45 minutes without too much hassle. Like when I, when I lived in DC in the district, it would take me 30 or 45 minutes to get to the edge of the district. And then I would go from there. Yeah. So here it's just, it's just an incredible thing. And then of course, we're really the gateway to so many other experiences. So things that are a little bit further away, like Death Valley or the Grand Canyon, like we're not that far from those. So we're in, this is an incredible kind of leaping off point from where you can get to so many other things. Yeah. And, um, you know, who, who could, who would have thought somebody who grew up in New York city, you know, now you're in Las Vegas in the wild west and, um, you know, it even snows here too. It does. And that's not 
not far from here. Now, you are an avid reader. Uh, what types of books do you like to read? I'm fairly eclectic in everything from uh, uh, from nonfiction books that kind of inform us in terms of history um, to more kind of, uh, I guess, to things like... Um, Oh God, my brain is like how to run a nonprofit. <laughs> like how to run a nonprofit. Yeah, to do things like mysteries and silly and silly kind of fluff reading, all the way to I think like some of my my favorite books or you know, some of like the magical realism kind of a, kind of books that I grew up reading. Yeah, what's your definition of leadership? I was just speaking about that today with somebody that I work with, and. I see my role as um, supporting the people who work with me and um, creating an atmosphere and an environment that allows them to be successful. So I helping them identify whatever might be blocking them and helping to address whatever that is and removing those and providing the, the tools that they need in order to help them shine and be successful. And at the same time, also modeling for those around me, what the things that I consider important. So, you know, I want to be there working harder than anybody else who's working in the organization and showing people that I'm not asking them to do anything that I wouldn't be willing to do. So setting an example. Setting an example. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? I ask people for help. <laughs> yeah. That happens quite a bit. Um, but I think an, an advantage of having partners, partners and friends and a great network is that there's always somebody that you can reach out to. Um, we are a small nonprofit and there are a lot of larger nonprofits and there are so many community leaders and business leaders, elected officials who are willing to provide guidance, which is one of the amazing things actually about Southern Nevada is that you have access to a network of people I could never have an access to in New York city because it's just so huge there. Um, we're such a small community. So that's when, when I don't know what to do, I am so fortunate because there's an incredible network. And you just reach out for help. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have um, any inhibitions about reaching out for help or? No, because I know the people I can reach out to and feel comfortable with. Yeah. yeah I think that that's the key. I mean, you, you have to f have that comfort zone with folks when you need their help. Um, so, you know, to be honest, if there's somebody who I, I did not feel comfortable reaching out to. I probably wouldn't, mm -hmm. um, but I'm lucky because I do have a great group of folks and network that I've developed. And sometimes, sometimes actually, if there's someone that you feel like they're they're modeling things that you would really like to be able to do, even if I don't know them really well, I mean, just reach out to them and say, "Hey, like I see that you're doing this. It looks incredible. Would you mind having a cup of coffee and?" explaining to me how the heck you're doing it. Yeah. And just ask. And just ask. And you know, nine times out of 10, people are really open to just sitting down and having a, co a cup of coffee and explaining how they came up with their own idea. Yeah. Do you use um, a tool every day to, to help you stay organized or on track? Um, I have a couple of things. It's cliche, but I live by my calendar. Everything has to be on my calendar. I have a whiteboard behind me where I write things as they come up as I'm standing. I stand, I have a standing desk okay. and I find that that helps me a lot. Uh, so I write ideas and tasks on my whiteboard and I have a notes on my phone. So if something kind of comes to me and I don't want to forget it, I, I make a note to myself, which 
kind of sounds like some goofy thing in a movie, but, but I do, cause that's just how, how it stays in my head. Um, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a thought that I just have to kind of write down cause otherwise I can't go to sleep. Yeah. What's the, um, the one way that you communicate with your team the most, is it verbal email? What are you using in the office? It's actually, it's a mix. I would say, um, I, for me, I find it really important to make sure that I go around the office and say hello to everybody and check in with people and see how they're doing. I don't like to just communicate with people through email and phone. Um, and then I'll send out general emails to folks. We just had our big get outdoors Nevada day event. And one of the things I had to do on Saturday after the event was over was send out a, an email to everybody just saying, thank you. Uh, to my board members and to the staff, um, and I and call people and text. But I I think my my favorite way of communication with my the folks in my staff is to just face to face conversation. Yeah, what's your biggest personal challenge? Learning to say no. That's the thing that I think I've I struggled with for the longest time. Um, when I was an attorney at the Department of Justice, Justice actually, my associate director of my of, of my department came to me one day and he said, Mauricia, you have to start saying no. We give you cases and you say, yes, I can do that. And we're starting to see that you're exhausted and nobody's going to think any less of you for saying no. I'm actually, we're going to appreciate the fact that you're setting your boundaries. And that was a huge moment for me. And so I've been practicing that ever since and learning the fact that it's, it's not a bad thing to say no and that people respect it when you say no and you have a good reason for that. Yeah. And now talking about the foundation. So five years from now, we, we were familiar with the services that you're providing now. Um, where do you see things in five years? I see us essentially providing the same services. Um, ideally, I would love to have some more funding for the field trips because we run out of funding every single year for that. Um, I don't necessarily want to grow the staff too much. I'd like to be able to add a few more volunteer staff folks and maybe one or two more education people, but I don't see us being huge um, unless we wind up being able to extend to maybe Northern Nevada and work with folks in Northern Nevada. Um, but I see us maintaining our focus on education and volunteerism and outreach and having those still be the central pillars of the organization and just focusing on making our current program stronger before we layer in anything yeah. additional. And how um, can someone who's interested in, in being involved or volunteering, um, how can they do that? They can do that a few different ways. Uh, we have a, a website, www.outsidelasvegas.org. We have a Facebook page, um, Outside Las Vegas. We also have our Get Outdoors Nevada Facebook page. And we've been working with our federal partners for a long time and took on Get Outdoors Nevada, which is a volunteer outreach approach. So you can reach us through that. Um, and always just give us a call in our office, 702-997-3350. Uh, and my email is mbaca, B-A-C-A, at outsidelasvegas.org. And I'm always happy to chat with people. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much for coming in and, and sharing your story and also talking about uh, the foundation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. To learn more about volunteer outreach with Get Outdoors Nevada and the Outside Las Vegas Foundation, visit OutsideLasVegas.org. 
Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.